Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. I'm Kieran Paul, your host, and today we will be discussing activist investing in France with senior financial journalist Yuri Strata. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Yuri, activism on both the long and the short side in France is considerably less prevalent than in the UK and Germany. Why France and why now? It is true that there has been generally less activism in the public domain in France than in other European countries. This proxy season, France has been at the forefront because of a few important developments. So we've had Umber Capital's proxy contest at Lagardère. This was a very rare instance, not only in France, but also in continental Europe, where an activist sought a majority of the board. But more importantly, it's perhaps that there has been an ongoing debate for about a year or more of the virtues and failings of short and long activism. You know, we've had uh, several studies on activism produced by various think tanks, including some sponsored by corporate lobbyists. In an extremely rare move for a market regulator, the Autorité des Marchés Financiers published its own views on activism, as well as some um, uh, regulatory proposals. And and meanwhile, just recently, uh, BPI France, the government-owned investment bank, raised more than 4 billion euros to invest in local companies and uh, help protect them against activism. You know, this string of developments were worth a more in-depth examination of the country's uh, landscape. And in your piece, you describe a lobbying effort to get the French securities regulator to make life even more difficult for activists. So firstly, can you tell us how that came about and why? Yes, there has been some pressure on the AMF to change the rules to protect local companies from activism. And I think what prompted this was a few cases in wrong activism that frustrated certain parts of the French establishment. Amber's fight with Arnaud Lagardère got extremely harsh in recent years, and Arnaud Lagardère is very well connected. Uh, I know he's friends with former French president Nicolas Sarkozy, who later joined his board. He knows uh, Bernard Arnaud, who's the founder of consumer luxury conglomerate Louis Vuitton, He's friends with Sam Bolloré, who controls Vivendi. At the same time, you had like Elliot Management occasionally launching murder bounty trash campaigns. It also targeted spirits maker Bernard Ricard. But I think what broke the camel's back was Muddy Waters' short campaign at supermarket chain Casino. This single campaign triggered a debate around the benefits of short and long activism and whether it needs to be suppressed. And I think the AMF's view in the end appeared balanced towards long activism. Its proposals are not that bad for activists. And some of the proposed rules will just bring the legislation in line with other jurisdictions, including the UK. So what would you say should activists know about the regulatory environment in France? 
The regulatory environment is relatively okay in France, but for an activist, it might be hard to break through the tight-knit circle you know, of high-powered people that know each other and you know, protect each other when one of them is under attack. And Labrador is a case in point. You also have conflicts of interest in cross-shareholdings. Banks can be both shareholders and creditors. At the same time, I think activists have complained about the lack of truly independent directors and the overall corporate governance scores very poorly compared with other uh, continental European countries. And how different is the landscape for activist short-selling? So if the regulatory environment for certain type of long activists might be okay, the environment for short-selling is not good at all. Since the AMF launched an investigation into Muddy Waters campaign at Casino and concluded that the short seller manipulated the market, we haven't had any public short campaign. Activist short sellers fear they will be pursued and as a result, they still prefer short companies, but they do so quietly. But of course, some activists still consider France a viable proposition for their campaigns. Why is that? I think that's true. And France is very rich in companies in the industrial and consumer goods sectors. And, you know, bear in mind that activists like these sectors very much because they are fairly straightforward. You can go and release shareholder value easily via spin-offs or by improving margins. You know, some activists have told me that for long-term investors, the environment is actually pretty good. And you had, you know, Syrian capital precipitated change at the top of Rexel in 2016 and still has a board seat there. This year, Telios Capital gained two board seats at Maison du Monde in a settlement. But if you are just investing opportunistically, you know, launching a merger bumper trash campaign, then you're likely to encounter resistance. Elliot was issued a record fine this year for its bumper trash campaign at XPO Logistics Europe. And many lawyers have told me, you know, that it may not have been fair and it was issued too late. Well, thank you for joining us, Yuri. Thank you. Standard General may have lost its push for board seats at Tegna, but founder Su Yon Kim believes the campaign left a positive mark on the company. Although focused on event-driven investments and not unfamiliar with serving on public company boards, Standard General says it prefers to rely on back-channel communication rather than addressing shareholders. Yet with a background in credit, the investor expected to be consulted by boards and management teams, rather than treated as an irrelevance. My investment style comes from my background. It's an amalgam of that very credit-centric analysis, Kim said in an interview with Activist Insight Monthly. A twist comes from its event-driven approach, which seeks to identify catalysts for a change. It's not just about whether something is mispriced, but really what's going to happen next, 
to help the market perceive a change, he added. Kim's fund put forward a four-person slate at the company in January, after settlement talks between the two proved unsuccessful. Although Kim argues that his campaign put a heavy emphasis on diversity and operating experience, Tegner accused Standard General of only being interested in selling the company and won the contest. Yet while it remains a so-called last resort, Standard General does not plan to remove proxy contests from its arsenal. We hope for the best and plan for the worst, Kim told Activist Insight Monthly. If interest in Tegna returns, Standard General will likely advocate for engagement with bidders, as it did before. Does that mean I'm necessarily going to fight another fight in the future? Kim said. The answer is maybe. When their year-long standstill agreement with GameStop expired, Hestia Capital Management and Permit Capital took no time before launching a second campaign to gain greater representation on the company's board. Despite the company's disappointment in having to face a proxy contest in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, the activists have continued to criticise the company's underperformance and board tenure issues, suggesting their own nominees could help take the retailer in a different direction. Although the two parties reached an agreement last year, one has been difficult to come to this time around and talks broke down once the company said it would not take the dissident's input regarding board refreshment until 2021. Shareholders will decide the two dissident nominees' fates at the company's June 12 annual meeting. Quintessential Capital Management had a quiet 2019, with just one short target that took months to play out. It appears to have started 2020 with a kill shot. I can't believe these guys are doing it again, Quintessential founder Gabriel Grego said of his latest conquest. The company used to be a fraud, got caught, saved themselves by going private and are now doing the same thing in the US market of all places. Akazu has more than halved since April's short campaign and been delisted after admitting to a major fraud. But the problem went back to 2016 when mobile marketing firm Internet Q saved itself from a diving share price by selling itself after it was accused of fraud. Four years later, quintessential capital management became aware that a subsidiary music streaming service, Akazu, was again going public via a reverse merger. According to its website, Akazu had 44 million registered users and 5.5 million premium subscribers. But Quintessential argued it had fewer than 400,000 users and was only available in five of the 25 markets claimed as operational. By May 21st, an investigation by a special board committee published a report stating that Akazu had been engaged in sophisticated multi-year fraud and that the music streaming service only had negligible revenue. The stock was delisted on May 27th.
now for two stories that didn't make it into the magazine. First United, a bank in the crosshairs of activist investor Driver Management, says it will not drop its lawsuit to end this month's proxy contest, despite Driver settling a regulatory issue with its investment. The Maryland-based bank said a settlement between Driver and the Maryland Commissioner of Financial Regulation did not resolve the issue of whether Driver's nominations are valid under First United's bylaws or Maryland law, or whether Driver should be permitted to vote its stake. As a result, First United vowed to proceed with a previously announced lawsuit for declaratory relief. Separately, Proxy Advisor Institutional Shareholder Services, otherwise known as ISS, has recommended shareholders vote for the three First United nominees targeted by Driver. The annual meeting is scheduled to take place on June the 11th. Starboard Value walked away from GCP Applied Technologies' annual meeting with 8 out of 10 board seats on Thursday, after its first proxy contest to go to a vote since 2014. The activist investor won all of the seats it sought, an outcome that had come to be expected in light of support from ISS and the company's largest shareholder, 40 North Management. Together, Starboard and 40 North owned one-third of the shares. Peter Feld, one of the new board members and the leader of Starboard's campaign, struck a magnanimous tone in victory. The new board wishes the departing directors well and we thank them and their advisors for ensuring a smooth and seamless transition process that will allow us to immediately focus on the priorities at hand, he said in a statement. GCP's CEO, Randy Dearth, paid tribute to the company's employees. It is thanks to their efforts over the last year that GCP is positioned for success and value creation, with significant recent performance improvement and positive business momentum entering the COVID-19 crisis, he said. GCP had settled a proxy contest with Starboard last year, but refused to submit to its demands for a majority of board, setting Starboard up for its first contested vote since it swept the board of Darden Restaurants in October 2014. A shareholder rights plan, supported by Starboard, was also approved at the meeting. That's all for this episode of the Activist Insight podcast. Recent episodes of the podcast have addressed the impact of COVID-19 on shareholder activism, what activists are focused on for the post-pandemic world, and activism in Japan. If you have a topic you'd like discussed on a future episode, please email press at activistinsight.com. You can also subscribe to Activist Insight Monthly by emailing subscriptions at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening.